If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Tara Bradner, and this is Hopeful Hints, an infertility podcast where you will receive quick, hopeful hints to guide you through infertility. Here, you will find education, inspiration, and most importantly, find peace as you walk through this journey to fulfill your family vision. Welcome to Hopeful Hints. I'm your host, Tara Bradner, and I'm so excited to bring you our guest today, Miriam Steinberg. Welcome to Hopeful Hints. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Let's begin and share just a little bit about your connection, Miriam, to infertility. So I started on my journey to trying to have kids when I was about 40, and I ended up being a single mom by choice. The relationship I was in didn't work out, mainly because he didn't want kids. And what I thought would be an easy journey turned out to be totally the opposite. I started with IUI because all the numbers came back great and physiologically everything seemed great. Um, And I got pregnant on the first go, but the day before my first ultrasound, I miscarried. And then from then on, it was a total mess. I tried over and over and over and over again, and it wasn't taking. Um, And then finally on the seventh try, I got pregnant again, but found out that the baby had a trisomy. So I was faced with that impossible decision, do I keep the baby, do I not? Um, And it was incredibly devastating. I chose not to keep the baby. I wanted to give whoever was coming out into the world the best chance at life. And there, there were just not enough guarantees. So then I switched to IVF because I didn't want to keep going with all the unknowns. And with IVF, you can get the embryos genetically tested. Um, And I did three rounds of IVF. The first two, I got a bunch of eggs and not a single embryo was viable. And then the third one, same deal, except I had one viable embryo. And then I promptly miscarried it. At that point, I hit yet another wall (laughs) where I was like, I, my body is done, like, but I still want to know what it feels like to be pregnant. And I still want to have a baby. What am I going to do? And for me, adoption wasn't the route that I wanted to take. And so I decided that the only way forward was to choose an egg donor as well as a sperm donor. So I went through that whole process, found an egg donor and had uh, the first transfer because for some reason, like usually the eggs are, they're young, they, they should be fine but I only ended up with one viable embryo. Wow. And then I miscarried that one. So we don't know if it was the embryo that was a faulty embryo or if it's just by then I had had so many miscarriages and DNCs and DNEs because twice there was remaining uh, products of conception, they call it, 
Um, and so my uterus was just too, they called it a slippery uterus. Well, that's a new term. <laughs> a slippery uterus for a geriatric mother. Oh, their term is terrible. <laughs> like, we need to work on that medical community. We need to fix the terminology. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I switched egg donors and ended up with five viable embryos, which was super exciting. And my doctor said, well, considering your history, we're going to transfer two. And that'll give you the highest chance of having one, at least one stick and stay. And of course, like I'm walking down a busy street and I, she's telling me this. And I'm like, ah, what now? Single mom to twins? Uh. And I was like, okay, well, better two than none. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we did. We transferred two embryos and they both stuck. And even throughout the whole thing, that pregnancy was super tenuous. I had a subchorionic hemorrhage in the first trimester. My son's water broke at 18 weeks. And so I was in, on bed rest for four months, two at home, two at the hospital. And then they were born at 32 weeks. And so we spent two months in the NICU. But now they're, they're out and about and healthy and great. So it was a very long, arduous journey to get there. Um, and there, there was never once any guarantees. So I feel like it was the biggest miracle possible. I also most know my traumatic pregnancy story. I honestly don't know when I got excited about being pregnant, if, if ever. Um, I had a bleed. There's something about 32 weeks. I had a bleed at 32 weeks. I know other people are like, there's something about 32 weeks, but it's a whole different ball game. It really is. There were so many challenges and so many like squashing of emotions and so much like forced neutrality throughout the whole thing. And then even so the kids are three next month and I still have trauma coming up and I still have like this thing that is just this driving force that affects all my relationships. Absolutely. And there's PTSD that goes along with that of various levels too. Not talked about enough. And I think people feel once I get pregnant, I'm going to be just back into the normal population of pregnant women. And we're not. We're at a different right. caliber than, than they are. Absolutely. Let's move in. I just love your three hopeful hints. You have so much to share to this community. Let's move into hopeful hint number one. One of the biggest things that allowed me to survive emotionally, physically, spiritually, like all of it, was to really gather my people. I was always open and honest about what I was going through with my friends and my family. I hadn't really shared anything on social media in the in the beginning bits. Um, but having my friends and my family around me when I was going through grief, feeding me, checking in, making sure I was okay, giving me space, but and me just knowing that they were there, um, coming to appointments with me, all of that, it just, it meant the world to me and it allowed me to, to just keep going and, and to have a sounding board. Um, and I, you know, I, I really got aware as well about um, compassion fatigue. And, and when you talk to just one person about it, then at some point, especially if you have a long journey, it's really hard on them. Yes. And it's not that they don't want to be there for you. It's just that it's really, really hard to be 
beside somebody and be with their grief and let them really live their grief in a and just constantly be there without being affected and so if at all possible like if you have only one person that your friends or family that you really trust and that's your confidant that's really super duper wonderful but try and find a support group to go along with that so that you just kind of you do other things with that friend beyond talking about your losses that is so good I am a huge proponent for support groups. Nowadays, it's virtual or in person. That's the neat thing about nowadays, we'll call it, is we can do virtual support groups with women across the world and the country. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's some really wonderful ones out there. And if one of them doesn't work for you, find another one. And if there's not one in your city that works for you, just Google around, ask around, Look on social media. There's like, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there. Absolutely. I love that. Hopeful hit number two. So be kind to yourself. If you, um, if you find it very triggering, which in general, if you're going through infertility and loss, other people's announcements and other people's constant baby photos that are on social media, um, they're super triggering and they're hurtful and you start resenting that person. And it's not because you actually dislike this person. It's because your own pain is so deep and there's like this really real, like unfair feeling of unfairness. Like why do they get to have an easy time of it? Why am I still struggling? I've tried so hard. I've tried everything. Um, don't unfriend them. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but Maybe just unfollow so you're not constantly barraged by these photos, especially if somebody's posting a lot. If you get invited to baby showers, if you get invited to parties where you know there's going to be babies and kids and whatever, and it's going to be really painful for you, I would recommend gracefully declining and maybe explaining a little bit that you really love this person, but... uh it's it's just too painful for you and can you send a gift in, in lieu of yourself and 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 just really reinforce the fact that you do love them that you appreciate them but you're going through your own stuff a hundred percent i want to like shout this from a mountaintop because i think there's power in the unfollow button right like you don't have to you're not a bad person it's like you said it's not like you don't like them it's for your own protection, your own safety. I know some get off of social media completely. That's not possible for everybody. And you, like you said, you don't have to un unfriend them. Just unfollow them. It's a simple thing. Just unfollow and say no. It's okay to say no to all the things that are hurtful or triggering for you. Hopeful hint number three. So if you have gone through loss and are struggling with infertility, and it's, you know, it's a huge grief process. When you lose a baby, you're going through the emotional distress, but you're also going through stuff with your body. And so it's really important to try and nourish yourself and try to find, you know, like ask your friends to bring you food. If you don't have the capacity to cook, if you, all you want to do is lie in bed and grieve, that's fine, but you also need to eat. <laughs> So um, find that one trusted person and be like, hey, could you organize a food train for me? 
Um, and that might even be too much for you. So hopefully your friend, you know, like when you divulge to your friend that you're going through grief, they will take it upon themselves to feed you. Um, and, and if people judge you for what you need to do to heal, whether it's staying inside, you know, like bundled in a blanket on your couch, whether it's going for long hikes, whether it's, um, I don't know. And everybody has their own grieving process. Um, it's not, up to them. It's your experience. It's what you have gone through. It's your trauma. It's your grief. It's your physical pain. You need to do what works for you. And sometimes that's a hard thing to find. And sometimes when you open up about your experience, other people will start telling, oh yeah, I had, I had a miscarriage as well. Or I, I struggled for years before I had my baby, or I never had my baby after a struggle with infertility. And and then you can ask them, what are your tools for helping you through the grief and helping you through the pain? Um, I found that when I talked about it, my, like when I talked about it to some friends, I got some amazing tips and tricks. Wonderful. Like one woman had lost a baby at five months and she told me about the whole ceremony that she does for the, the dead baby and how she writes them a letter, how she burns a candle for them every year. And so I started doing a ceremony for all the babies that I lost. And I write them a letter. I go to the park. I, burn, I read the letter out loud. I burn the letter. And I meditate on uh, my children. And that has really helped me keep them in my life, which has been really important, and to help kind of let go of the grief. The grief will never go away. And I think it's important to not guilt yourself for that grief that will never go away because it's just a reality. It'll change. It'll morph. It'll come. It'll go. It'll like go to the back of your brain and go to sleep for a while. And all of a sudden something will happen or all of a sudden a thought will come and you're like, ah, ah this is sad or I'm remembering and, and that's okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's a way of honoring the babies that you lost and that is a great explanation and i've never like heard it like expand that way it's like perfect like it's always going to be there and i think people feel like it should go away we need to get rid of it get out of here you know like but like you said it's a loss and that'll always be with you so learning how to cope with it and deal with it when it presents itself at any given time unexpected or expected to know that that's normal yeah Absolutely. Oh, this is so good, Miriam. Okay, so I have to share. They need to, first of all, go to your website, which I'll link in the show notes, your graphics and images that are on there, you guys. They're awesome. Let's learn more. People can follow you, but tell us more about your book that you have. About halfway through my uh, fertility journey, I realized that it was a story that needed to be shared because when I started opening up about it, other people would tell me, like random strangers would tell me, that they had losses and that they just had been completely ensconced in silence and, and shame sometimes. And same with me, like I didn't know where to look and I wish I'd had like the resources that were out there, they're either too medical or they're just like little excerpts that are completely decontextualized. Um, and so I wrote a graphic memoir about it. It's a graphic novel about my infertility journey and it goes through basically from when I became, a, when I decided to become a single mom by choice all the way 
to the end. And if you are interested in getting a copy of Catalog Baby, you can go to my website at uh, catalogbabynovel.com. You can get it at your local bookstore. Highly recommend supporting your indie bookstores. I included my story, but I also included a whole chapter on how do you support somebody going through infertility and what are the things that are triggering. So it's not just for you. Like this is a book that you can share with your family, with your coworkers, with your friends. Be like, here. Love it. Is what it's about. Walk away. Leave it on the coffee table and walk away. Exactly. I'm going to link everything in today's show notes and people can follow you on social media as well. Yep. Uh, On Instagram, I'm at catalog underscore baby. On Twitter, I'm at catalog baby. Thank you so much, Miriam, for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over and hit subscribe or leave a review for Hopeful Hints and Infertility Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you back here next week, Tuesday. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.